today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about how this has impacted us as Canadians. And uh, to do that, we've always relied on our friends at Ipsos to uh, get the pulse of what's going on with people and how it's impacting us on a daily basis. And uh, there's been a number of different things that have been researched and, and released over the last couple of days that paint a, a pretty interesting and, in some cases, pretty worrisome picture about how Canadians are being impacted by uh, the virus. Uh, disseminate all this information and to try to make some sense of it, we're so pleased to welcome back our good friend Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, to the Bill Kelly Show. Uh, good to have you on the program again, uh, Daryl. Thanks so much for the time today. Well, thanks for having me on, Bill. But we have a plethora of information here. Uh, where to begin? Let's talk about uh, the impact this is having financially, because that's uh, for an awful, an awful lot of people uh, so very important. And uh, as you've hinted at in past uh, reports that you've done on here, uh, there is a demographic consequence to this, and it seems that the younger Canadians are the ones that are getting hit hardest by the pandemic. Yeah, it's it's it really does divide by generations, uh, and it also you know you could you could also insert things like education levels and that kind of thing. So if you're a person who uh, is a well-established career, you're older, you probably own your own home, uh, and you have a job, you're more of a symbolic work type of worker who uh, can, can sit at home and you know do meetings on your computer, uh, you're probably doing okay. Um, but if you're a person who's just trying to break into the labor market, you're younger, uh, you've got a big university debt to pay off or educational debt, or you're in more precarious types of employment, you've really been hit hard by this. I was surprised. Uh... The indication here is that uh, the, the people that said they have been negatively impacted and others that say not so much, it's almost 50-50. That, that, that seems a little yeah. high to me. No, it's a real, it's a real divide. It's a real divide. To, to me, it's not the absolute numbers as much as the fact that, uh, that there's not a lot of people just sort of saying, meh, you know, yeah, yeah it's no, no big effect. No, it's people on two sides of a, of a divide here. You've got one group that uh, have, uh, other than their personal uh, freedom being somewhat uh, um, restricted, uh, has just sailed through this process. And then you've got another group of people who are really struggling. And while the uh, the financial payments uh, were supposed to be to people um, who are potentially going to be really struggling, although they were fairly wide in terms of their distribution, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem to have um, uh, created a reassurance among the people who are struggling the most. Yeah, we talked about young people. Forty-two percent of young Canadians uh, between eighteen and thirty-four say their situation has worsened. Uh, that drops to thirty-seven, with thirty-five to fifty-four, and then twenty-nine, as you mentioned, from fifty-five and up. Does that have anything to do with job security? Absolutely does. Uh, I think it has to do with all aspects of your financial life. If you're starting off, you probably have you know lower savings, uh, um, and, and also including that boomer population. There are people who are retired and. Their, their incomes haven't really been affected by this. And if they're invested in the stock market, they've actually done quite well. Um, uh, but if you're younger, your bills are bigger, you're investing in things, you're trying to buy a house. I mean, the real estate market's off the, off the charts. Uh, and you're in a job where you've only been there for a short period of time and the company's now struggling or maybe even, you're even trying to run your own business. Say, for example, if uh, you've opened up a restaurant or you're working in a restaurant or something like that, uh, it, it's been a really tough time for you. The great thing about talking with you at Ipsos, Daryl, is that you guys have perspective since you've been doing this so long. Uh, did the pandemic make a bad situation worse, or did it create this situation? I think it made a bad situation worse. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that uh, I get asked about all of this is, you know, or people present to me is all these new things that are coming out as a result of, the, of the pandemic. There will be some new things. There will be some changes that, that result uh, um, uh, from us going through what we've just gone through. But a lot of what's happened is it's amplified issues that were already uh, is- 
issues before. So for uh, one, I'm just going to pull out of the air here just to give you some perspective. Fertility rates. I write a lot, an awful lot on what's happening to population. Uh, and uh, one of the things that's one of the big trends around the world, but also in Canada, is that people have stopped having kids. Well, that was a, an issue as we were getting into the uh, into the pandemic. It's now absolutely crushed fertility rates, and probably for at least two years. And the reason for that is most children that we have today are actually wanted children to plan for. And you have planned for children when you are confident about what your future is going to be. What the pandemic has done, particularly among that younger group of people who are starting their families or expanding their families, is it's shaken their confidence. So it's even further suppressed birth rates. So that's an example of a trend that was already going on that was amplified and accelerated by what we're going through. And, and this is why these these pollings are, are, are so important because they give us a, a much broader picture as to what's going on. It's, it's the, the financial end of it, sir, but there are ramifications to people that are feeling financially strained at this stage, uh, including things like you know birth rates and things of that nature. It impacts so many different things, and obviously, uh, you know what money they have, they're probably not spending a whole lot of it these days. So there's that element to it too. Uh, and then we get into the other element to this too, which is is what we're doing with our time uh, for those of us that have been uh, stuck at home for the longest time. Time, maybe not working out of work for some cases for almost a year right now uh, and you've done some work on that too we're, we're on the video screens and in, in, in front of computer screens a lot more than well we probably mm-hmm. should be yeah we are and, and it's again very similar to what we're finding in terms of financial impacts for some people it's been great there's a you know a, a large sections of the population that say they're eating better they're sleeping better uh, they're uh, you know they may have lost some weight they're exercising more. And then there's another group that's on the exact opposite side of that. And the interesting thing is, on the ones that are the most troubling, the most troubling data I saw, Bill, was things uh, that I w- you would consider to be you know, kind of social pathologies. So the number of people who are uh, smoking, you know, that's gone up slightly. The number of people who are using cannabis more than they used to, that's gone up. The number of people who are drinking more, that's gone up. And also uh, the the, more, the number of people who feel that their their mental health is being challenged that's gone up. So there are these things that could be potential longer term consequences, even when we get out of what we're in right now, that we're going to have to deal with. Uh, frequency of ordering takeout food has gone up considerably too, um, and yeah. which, which, by the way, in some cases can have negative health consequences. I mean, there are some fabulous restaurants around town, but uh, there's some fast food stuff too. Um, so the, there's uh, there's an overall malaise, I guess, that seems to be setting in for us. Uh, I guess a significant segment of the population. Yeah, it, there is, and, and you know, the other thing that I think the data really point out, and something that we take for granted, is we really are a social species. I mean, the things that we miss the most are actually not, you know, to a certain extent, they're going to concerts and that kind of thing, but just physical contact with other people or being close to your family, being able to have people over for dinner, being able to go out with people for dinner, being able to get together with your with your extended families. Those are the things that are really troubling people the most. Doctors will tell us uh that you know when we're feeling stressed like this and all these things are happening to us uh the best thing to do is get outside get outdoors don't don't start staring at all four walls uh but a significant number of the population daryl are not doing that either yeah we have to keep in mind on this one bill that you know over 80 percent of the canadian population lives in a town of a thousand or more 40 percent of us live in just four places so there's an awful lot of canadians that live in uh, cities they live in suburbs and they don't live out in the countryside. <laughs> they can go off for 
for long walks. And in fact, when we've been going through these zones in Ontario, uh, some of these places don't even want you to go there if you're from one of the cities. So uh, the uh, um, the ability to actually enjoy getting outdoors uh, because of the way we're living now, and particularly since we're going through the winter, it's a little harsher as well, is, is, has not been... Uh, has not been the solace, I think, for as many people as we thought it would be. But there's something going on, too, because the real estate market is booming. So, you know, as you say, those those people that are not negatively impacted by this financially uh, seem to look at this as an opportunity. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things that are going on there. One of them is that, uh, you know, interest rates are really, really low. The second thing is a lot of people have a lot of uh, um, uh, accumulated uh, savings and income because they simply the things that they they weren't doing previously they're 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 not doing so what that's happening now is it's getting driven into the real estate market and you're seeing uh, the numbers go up even in places like Hamilton I I know that there's a uh, you know been a boom uh, well there's been a boom been going on for a few years now in Hamilton but again an acceleration of a trend due to the pandemic. Uh, and in London as well. We talked to some folks at the London Real Estate Board, and they're starting yeah. to see it. It's, it's, people can't afford the GTA. Uh, you know, I, I told you, I guess it was a couple of months ago now, and talking to some folks up in the Collingwood Blue Mountain area, and real estate is booming up there. This guy told me there's a subdivision going up almost every week. And it's people that just say, I, I, you know what, I'm safer here than I am in the big city. Uh, and that's that's an interesting gravitation that's happening. Well, now that we've been able to figure out particularly those people who are, you know, as I said before, living and working in offices and they can work and they can work remotely. Uh, they figured out that they can do their job uh, reasonably well living a little further away. And by the way, it's it, the, the thing that I think people misunderstand about this bill is they think it's like an off or on thing. Like I either live a long way away and I work remotely all the time or I live in the city and I go to the office every day. Well, there's, there's gradients in between that. So what I'm really, and nobody's I've heard talk about it very much, is really concerning going forward is what's going to happen to downtowns in our major cities. So yeah. I'm here in Toronto today. Well, you know, Toronto's not particularly friendly to commuters, but is very, very economically dependent on commuters. So what happens if a whole percentage of, say, for example, all of the commuters decide that they're not going to go downtown one day a week? Well, that's 20% decline in economic activity in every aspect of what's downtown. Office space, people who are running restaurants, people who are running dry cleaners, you know, bookstores, everything. 20% gone. And the real impact of people moving out is them uh, taking advantage of the opportunity that they can live and work in a, a bit of a different way, even if it means that they just restrict their recruiting or their, their commuting downtown by, say, one day a week. The consequences for the city, though, are horrific. Well, I found that when I was doing the commute to Toronto uh, way back in the day, when working at a Toronto a radio station on Yonge Street, and I, I was tried to be a you know a, a good citizen. I was, I was commuting, taking the GO train in. But uh, you're right, Daryl. I mean, when you get off the GO train at Union Station in, in the morning, in a weekday morning, uh, the tens of thousands of people. It, it's it's this whole separate economy underground there because there are you know there are malls and everything else down there, and they're shopping. They they're not they don't live there, but they work there. And you're right, they have lunch there. They they maybe get some shopping done. They go and get, pick up a bottle of wine to take home with them, whatever the case might be. Uh, those people are in, in that. That economy, I know there's a different connotation to underground economy, but I'm, I'm talking literally below the mm -hmm. ground there. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you, they got to be really hurting now because people just aren't going into the city. Absolutely, and even when we start coming back, even if you restrict your trips downtown by 20%, like I said, one day a week, 
imagine 20% fewer customers. It's not like the, the people who live and work in the city are really going to be affected much by this. It's the people who are dependent on that commuter population making another choice. That's what I don't think people are paying enough attention to right now. And they really, you know, once they decide that they're not going to, they're, they're not going to do it as frequently as they were, it throws all sorts of spanners in the work, works for all of those businesses downtown, but also our transit system who rely on riders. Um, and, and, you know, the, the commuters cross-subsidize an awful lot of stuff that happens within the city. Well, there, there's there's going to be some longer-term consequences uh, that um, we're, st- we're starting to see green shoots of before where people were struggling with real estate prices and, you know, maybe thinking about moving in other places and adding on extra commutes. But now that they have the um, uh, the, the option to move out further and actually commute less, or at least in fewer days, that could potentially be a serious problem. When all this is said and done, and the vaccination program hopefully is going to roll out, and I know you've done some extensive work on that too, Daryl, uh, but when they finally say, okay, it's safe to come out now, uh, are we going to, or is there going to be a, a great deal of trepidation? I would think in that younger demographic, possibly that would be the case. Well, we've already been burned, right? I mean, so yeah. uh, we went through a period at the uh, end of last year uh, where uh, things were opening up a little bit, and then we got locked down again. Uh, they were have heard the announcements in December about vaccines, and they got somewhat optimistic about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And then, you know, they got uh, further suppressed by uh, stories about vaccines not arriving. Now we've had, you know, announcements about vaccines arriving, uh, so expectations are raised again. But the, the public, the, the mood is fragile. So if there's, a, a, you know, a couple of bad incidents or a couple of bad stories or things don't seem to be going the direction that they were, this will track right back down again. And what we're seeing right now is people are very hesitant about their expectations. Um, when we first started asking this back in March, and you and I started talking about it back, back in March of last year, people thought this was something that was going to be over in June. Yeah. Now, they think, uh, actually, not even in 2021. 2022, probably. But there's more, almost 30% of us that think it's not going to be over till 2023 or longer. So, you know, we're, we're really hedging our bets right now. Wow. Uh, yeah, I saw that data, too. Fascinating stuff. Uh, always great that uh, that we can get you on here to shine the light on these things, Daryl, and, and to do some analysis analysis rather on this. Uh, as always, stay well, and I'm sure we'll talk again in the next couple of days. You too. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Daryl Burke, of course, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. Very revealing studies about our attitudes. And, and his point's well taken. The numbers indicate that almost half of us are still in pretty good financial shape. Uh, because it hasn't had a huge impact on us, but it's the psychological impact. And are we ready to start spending money again when, when they finally say it's okay to do so? And the, a lot of things that are happening right now that some people are simply suggesting, well, you know, when this is all over, we're just going to revert back to the way things were before. And I'm not so necessarily sure that's the case, which is why we'll have folks like people at uh, Ipsos, like Daryl and others, uh, that will keep track of people's attitudes toward that stuff. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.